Thanks so much, Bruin. Anyone eaten any of these this morning? Anyone? You already have? That row in the middle there has got a sugar high, you young blokes there. All right? Just keep your eye on them, please. Uh, it's the one morning of the year, isn't it, where you can have this sort of stuff early on in the day. You can eat it whenever you want, apparently. Uh, and uh, you can enjoy chocolate at any hour of the day or, or night. There's only one day of the year like that. So kids, if you're in the room, make sure you make the most of it today, okay? Uh, and if the sugar high is running throughout the sermon, that's excellent. If it comes off the back, I'll know because you'll be asleep. That's how it'll work, uh, I think. Uh, what happens in my family with these, uh, these chocolate eggs from time to time uh, is that we uh, sometimes decide that we're going to make uh, a bit of a trail with, with the, the eggs. And the trail goes along, and you're supposed to sort of follow the trail along little bit by little bit, and then I'll tread on them. And then at the end of the trail is the, the grandmaster, the, the granddaddy of them all. You no, you are not having him. Not having him. Not having him. You've got to follow the trail, and maybe later, maybe later. Um, that's what happens in our household. You follow the trail, and you find yourself to be at the end with, uh, well, with the conclusion, with the great conclusion of the biggest egg at the very end uh, that you might leave to the end to eat. It's not a particularly unique way of doing Easter eggs in our household, but it's the way we do it. And when, when it comes to life, we do this follow the trail bit quite a lot, don't we, really? Uh, we do it with our GPS machines in the car. Whether or not they work and send us in the right direction is a different story, but we're supposed to follow it to get to its conclusion. Uh, this is a very long weekend, so you might be doing DIY at home with flat pack furniture. You start with it, you follow the trail through, and you come up with something that actually looks nothing like what it's supposed to, but that's okay, that's a different story, that's mine anyway. Uh, but today I want to share with you on this Easter Sunday an exercise of following the trail. Following the trail of what Peter himself puts in front of us. Peter, the leader of the church, the one that Jesus called the rock. He speaks here in the very first sermon after Jesus had risen from the dead. And he puts before us a trail of facts that we are supposed to follow to its natural or logical conclusion. And when we follow those facts, that trail to its logical conclusion, we will find who Jesus really is and what our response is. Ought to be. And so I'm going to have a look uh, at this passage that Bronwyn read for us uh, from Acts chapter 2 and then dive a little bit into the, the first reading as well from Acts chapter 16. But this is God's word, so I'm going to ask that he, he allows us uh, to all uh, listen to his word and for me to speak in a way that's clear. So let's pray and ask God to do that for us. Heavenly Father, please be with us this morning, this Easter Sunday, as we look at your word. However much uh, sugar we may or may not have ingested today, please help our eyes and especially our hearts to be focused on you so that we might see uh, the resurrection of Jesus clearly uh, and draw the conclusions you would have us draw from your word and we ask it in Jesus name. Amen. Well, I don't know if you've noticed this week, I've been noticing over the last couple of days in the news that Easter news is just getting a bit weird. Easter news is just getting a bit weird. I've watched some of those news shows in the morning with a cup of coffee over the last couple of days and I've noticed we've got an obsession with Easter news. This is what it looks like. This is what the weather's going to be like for the next four days. And they talk about that for about an hour. And then when they're finished talking about that, they talk about how many cars are leaving the city of Sydney and show you a video of that. And then if, uh, if they've got enough time, they take you to the airport and they show you just how long the queues are 
at the airport on that particular day as well. It's getting boring. This is what the news is like. But it's not just like that. Two of these headlines took my attention over the last week. The headline goes like this. Dad living on diet made up of only Easter eggs has already scoffed 200 of them this year. Or what about this one about Nigella Lawson, the, uh, the great chef? This headline, how Nigella's Easter egg cake saved my family. <laughs> I'd like to know how that happened. Might be real news, might be fake news. I don't know how that works at all. But Can you share the link? Can I share the link? Absolutely. <laughs> It'll be in the cloud, it'll be in the cloud. The, the fake news that uh, goes around is obvious to us. But what Peter tells the crowd here in Acts chapter 2 is not fake news. It's not even trivial news. It's true, life-changing Easter news. Well, the crowd were in Jerusalem for a festival weekend of their own and people from all over had come in to the city of Jerusalem and suddenly they heard all sorts of regular people, regular ordinary men speaking the praises of God in all of their various languages from the places in which they'd come. And it led the crowd to the conclusion these men must be drunk. But Peter says they're not drunk, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. This is actually a fulfilment of the prophecy of Joel chapter 2. These things were bound to come to fruition. And from here, from verses 22 through to the end of the chapter, uh, through the end of the passage, sorry, Peter then outlines how Jesus is the Saviour and the Messiah. And he gives us four steps along the way, four uh, steps in our trail that we are to follow so that we might see who Jesus really is. So let's go to step number one on our trail. Verse 22. Men of Israel, Peter says, Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. Peter says this, Jesus did amazing things whilst he was among you. This is not fake news to get into the local media with some funny headline. He says to the people around, you know it to be true. You saw Jesus do these amazing things with your own eyes. This is without dispute. If you read anything on social media these days, you'll find that there's plenty of people around who will say that Jesus is not a historical figure. As we've seen from our historian who appeared on the screen earlier, this is just simply not the case. Historians worldwide know Jesus to be a true and real figure of history. Of that there is no doubt. That same historian, John Dixon, that we saw on the screen, he has said that if any credible historian was, uh, would, uh, shared with him who disbelieves in a credible way that Jesus was not a real person, he would eat a page of his Bible, and his Bible remains intact to this day. It is without dispute. Jesus existed, Jesus lived, Jesus did mighty works, he did preach and heal and feed people, and it did amaze people and confuse people and even trigger a few people and 
deliver some intrigue to people. And Peter says step number one along the trail of finding who Jesus is is that he was really alive and he really did these signs and wonders, that the things that only God could do, Jesus did them. That's step number one on our trail. But as we come to step number two, we hear of his death. Verses 23 through to 29 tell us about this. Taking place, of course, that very first Good Friday, Jesus died. The same Jesus who did these mighty signs and wonders amongst the people, doing what only God could do, he was delivered up to death. But do you notice what the passage said? He was delivered up to death by the plan of God himself. Jesus came to this world with the definite plan of dying on the cross for us and for our sins. To save the world. To have him take the punishment for our rebellion against God rather than us take that punishment. This was the plan of God out of his love for us that he would send his son to die. And yet the passage also says at the very same time this was the work of wicked men. Which he then turns to the people that were with him and says it was you who crucified and killed this man Jesus. The second step along our trail is the death of Jesus. The cross shows us the love of God and at the same time the most heinous evil that has ever been committed on the earth. Those things happen at the same time. And as Jesus dies on that cross that very first Good Friday, he looks like a loser. He stood for something, but he died on a cross. He looks like a loser. But as we look closer, we see that Jesus' death was not as a loser, but to redeem the world. Not as a failure, but to bring forgiveness and open up restoration between us and God. And again, as Peter speaks these words to the crowd in front of him that day, this is no fake news. They know it to be a fact. Jesus died. And so here we are with two steps along our trail. Jesus lived and did amazing things that only God could do. Jesus died on a cross by the plan of God and the work of wicked men. But thirdly, bringing us to the third part of our trail this morning, Easter Sunday, we talk about resurrection. Verse 24 tells us, God raised him up. Loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Just as God determined that Jesus would die for our sins, so God determined that he would raise from the dead. Having paid the penalty for our sin, we're told that death could not hold him down. He was risen to new and eternal life. And this is not fake news. As we know, then, as well as now, people take issue with the idea of the resurrection. There's actually a good reason for that, isn't there? Because dead people stay dead. That's just the truth. Dead people stay dead. And so that we would talk about a dead person coming back to life again is seemingly ridiculous. 
One of the earliest disciples, Thomas, he thought this. Just after Jesus had risen from the dead, many of his disciples were in a locked room together and then Jesus appeared to them and spoke to them bodily and physically. And they all said to Thomas, you weren't there that night, mate, but we saw him. And Thomas is like, come on. Nobody gets back to life again. It doesn't happen. And he flippantly says, when Jesus died, he had holes in his hands. I'm going to stick my finger in it. And I had a, he had a hole in his side. I'll get my fist and shove it into that hole. That's how ridiculous it is. Then, of course, a week later, Thomas himself sees Jesus. And he doesn't need to stick his finger into the hole or his hand into his side. He just gets down on his knees and says, you are the God of the universe. Thomas was sceptical. And there's some scepticism around today about resurrection. And for good reason. Dead people don't come back to life again. It just doesn't happen. That's not what we're like as human beings, except in this one occasion. And this one occasion changes everything. See, Peter says in this sermon here, there are two reasons why the resurrection of Jesus Christ is believable. Number one, verses 25 to 28 tell us that God promised that this would happen. King David wrote what was our first Bible reading this morning from Psalm 16, some 1,000 years or so before Jesus uh, even came into the world. And this first reading tells us about a Messiah or an anointed king, is a better word for that in some ways. This anointed king would never see corruption. Now people at the time thought, well, this must have been about David. David wrote the Psalm, he was an anointed king, it must be about him. But in verse 29, Peter says, guys, we can go and find David's bones right now. We know where he was buried. He died and was buried, that's it. It wasn't talking about him. David unknowingly was talking about Jesus, whose bones cannot be found and still cannot be found today anywhere in the Middle East or anywhere else in the world. The resurrection is believable because God promised that it would happen. But secondly, Peter says... The resurrection is believable because the disciples saw it. They were eyewitnesses to the fact. Verse 32 says, This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Now someone might say, well, the disciples could have just made up this story. The disciples could have, could have made it up, but think about how hard it must have been if they did make up the story of the resurrection. For these disciples to hold on to a lie for some 30, 50, 70 years into the rest of their life. You all know how easy it is for a football club or a government or an opposition to tell a lie and then from their little secret meetings to have leak go, leaks go out to the media. It takes about two weeks, I reckon, sometimes, doesn't it? It doesn't take very long. The leaks go out. Imagine holding on to a lie... For 30, 50, even 70 years. And then being tortured and killed for that lie. Surely eventually someone would put up their hand and say, no, 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 we just made it up. But they went through with their execution, execution deaths because they knew it was true. They were eyewitnesses to the fact. That's why we saw on our video that John Dixon described it as an unavoidable fact of history. This is not fake news. Jesus is risen from the dead. 
And this is great news. Because now this means Jesus opens the door to new and eternal life. See, this is the third step of our trail. Jesus lived and did amazing and mighty things. He died. He rose from the dead. And fourthly, our final step on the trail, according to Peter here, is that he ascended into heaven. Verses 33 to 35 tell us about Jesus ascending into heaven to sit in the place of authority at the right hand of his Father. And so here are the four steps. Jesus lived and did amazing things. He died. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. Where is the trail leading us? Well, it's leading us to the, to the big kahuna, the big kicker at the end. It's in verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Jesus is Lord and Christ. They're pretty religious words, aren't they? We put it a different way. Jesus is master, ruler, in charge, and he's the saviour. This is who Jesus is. Now, if you take any one piece of the trail out here, you cannot reach the conclusion. If you take out any point of the trail, you cannot reach the conclusion that Jesus is Saviour and Lord. And so, if Jesus is not raised from the dead, we literally have nothing. But the facts are everywhere. Not just in the Bible, but in the local history of its day. And as I've mentioned, the historians are not in dispute about this issue. Jesus did these things. And so the conclusion we need to draw is that Jesus is Lord and Christ. We don't get to choose whether he is. He just simply is the Lord and the Christ. This weekend is full of calories for you. You're all making a fresh start on Tuesday. I've decided you're going to get rid of those cream eggs off your tummy and you're going to get something else to replace them with. If it's, not, if it's not the calories of the chocolate, it's the carbs of the hot cross buns, whatever it is, uh, you're going to turn to this, I reckon. Now that's the full strength lemonade. That's the light lemonade. Have you ever had that? I always feel funny when I go into McDonald's and I order a, a you know, Big Mac burger meal. They say, what drink do you want? I say, I have Coke Zero. So I'm feeling really, you know, healthy today. Just means I can have two burgers instead of one. Uh, there's the full strength and there's the, there's the light version, isn't there? And for many people, they have a, a, a view today of, uh, of Jesus' light. There's this idea running around that Jesus is able to fulfill our desires and forgive our sins and give us a ticket to heaven, but he asks nothing in return and we get to control our own life. This idea that, uh, that Jesus is the fill me up and forgive me type of Jesus, but the leave me as I am type of Jesus. But the steps along the trail do not allow us to develop our own picture of who Jesus is. Jesus is our saviour and we're almost always very happy with that. There's no one in this world that does not want to reach heaven. But it's only Jesus who can get us there. It's only Jesus who can give us that ticket to heaven. Without Jesus and faith in him, heaven is not open to people. But he is also our Lord. This is the, the, the full strength, the proper version of Jesus. He is Saviour and Lord. 
And so how does the crowd on that very, uh, on, on that very first Pentecost respond to what Peter said? Well, they respond, verse 37, by being cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what are we to do about this? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They're cut to the heart because they realize the death of Jesus was their fault because of their sin, but that Jesus is the living King of the world. And so they respond in repentance and faith. I want to encourage you today. If you're not yet a follower of the Lord Jesus, I want you to follow the trail. I want you to check out whether or not these things that I'm saying to you are true. Come to the life course. Check out whether these things are true. Because if they are, they lead to the conclusion that Jesus is Saviour and Lord. And we must treat him as such. And so today may be a day for you to turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus in repentance and faith as the living king of the whole world. As your plus one that you need to get into eternal life. Today is a day to repent, to say, I've done the wrong thing. I've turned to follow Jesus as the living king of the world. And if you are already a follower of Jesus, today is no different for you. Follow that trail to the same conclusion and we'll find the same response. If Jesus is our Saviour and Lord, we also must respond with repentance and faith each and every day. But we respond today especially with joy. We respond with joy because the trail is complete. Jesus did what only Jesus could do. Rising from the dead to make the trail complete. So Jesus is our Saviour and Lord. So if you eat a few bits of chocolate today, that's great. But as you do, I want you to remember the four steps along the trail to the conclusion that must be drawn from the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That he is both Saviour and Lord. And so we respond with repentance and faith and with joy that God would do all this for us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the resurrection of Jesus in our place, uh, his death in our place and his resurrection to new and eternal life. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, for uh, Peter's sermon drawing this trail together for us with the conclusion that Jesus is the Saviour and the Lord. And we do ask, please, that you might help us to respond in repentance and faith. If we still have questions about who Jesus is, please help us to to really do business with you and ask those questions and and make uh, those investigations so that we might know for sure. And that if we've come to that conclusion and followed the the trail all the way through, please help us, we ask, to see Jesus as he really is, the Saviour and the Lord, the risen King, the risen King, who we can have great joy today and say thank you to the Lord Jesus for what he has done for us. For this uh, and for all that you've given to us, we thank you in Jesus' great and powerful name. Amen. We're going to sing our final song together, friends. I'm going to pick these up.